Well, good morning. Welcome, Northridge. This is awesome. Uh, I haven't seen some of you uh, in a couple of weeks. It is good to be back. Um, and uh, for those of you who are here for the first time, you don't know, but uh, Laura and I, my family and I, we've been gone on vacation for a couple of weeks, and uh, so we have really missed you. I've got a lot of questions. How was vacation? It was good, uh, and it's good to re-energize. It's good to change the mode, change the scenery, change the pace, but to be honest, uh, it's just really good to be back. Um, it really, I mean that sincerely. Like, I woke up uh, this morning, and I woke up all this week just kind of ready uh, to get to this day and just to kind of be with you guys. I missed you guys. That's the honest truth. Um, I really did, and, and Laura did. And uh, so we're glad to be back here. We had a great vacation. Um, but uh, there was a lot of things, and you guys know, when, we're, when you're gone, like uh, you get it, when you're on vacation, there's like a thousand things that have to be done before you leave, right? So that when you're gone, like things are good. And then there's like a thousand things that happened while you're gone. And so you go, oh, okay. And then you got to pick it up. But one thing, I just want to mention in the midst of that is Laura and I were gone for uh, two Sundays, just a little more than a week, but two Sundays. And I just want to say thank you to you guys because you guys, so many of you stepped up, covered a lot of different things that either came up or just normal stuff that has to happen on a weekly basis, even in between Sundays, but on Sundays. Um, and you guys just did a phenomenal job. And I read on Facebook and all the kinds of things that happened. I heard stories of things that happened while we were gone. Uh, God really moved and did some awesome things. And so thank you to all of you who just picked up the ball and helped kind of just carry it uh, while we were gone. And also, of course, Pastor Chris, who preached for me uh, for the last two weeks, did a phenomenal job. Uh, I'm just thankful that, you know, I didn't have to preach while I was gone, like by satellite. Uh, that would have been weird, uh, you know, and you would have been envious because I would have been on the beach, but, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, so it's all good, but we are glad to be back. And uh, one thing that did happen last week is is we ended the series, the movie series. So uh, I know some of you are grieving because we don't have popcorn this morning. I apologize. I'm sorry. Uh, you're just going to have to deal with it, uh, the withdrawal. Um, so no more popcorn for a while, but we're glad uh, that we finished up the movie series. But now we're jumping into a new series called Two Ways to Live or Two Pathways or Two Ways to Live. And uh, what we're going to do is over the next several weeks, we're going to look at the book of Proverbs. I don't know if you've ever read Proverbs, but Proverbs is one of those books that is just literally packed from beginning to end, packed from beginning to end with unbelievable wisdom, unbelievable advice, unbelievable principles, just amazing things that God has put in there that if we listen to can just lead to an unbelievable life that God wants for us. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to look at two ways to live and how Proverbs kind of operates is if you look at the verses, um, they, they really, what it does is it compares and contrasts two different pathways for life on all various topics. Okay. So let me give you a couple of examples. Today, we're going to talk about wisdom and foolishness. Okay. Today's topic is wisdom and foolishness. And so we're going to talk about that topic, but let me just give you a couple of examples of Proverbs and how Proverbs work. So you kind of know why we're saying two ways to live. Like there's these two pathways, two choices that you have in life to kind of live. And Proverbs kind of compares and contrasts these. Let me give you one example. Proverbs 13, 16 says this, it says, wise people think before they act. Some of you, you have names in mind of other people, right? <laughs> You're like, yeah, they need to know that. Fools don't, and even brag about their foolishness. 
See, what Proverbs does is, is it kind of paints this one pathway that we should be doing and then paints this other picture of what some people do that we shouldn't be doing, right? So two pathways, two ways, two choices of life. And that, that's kind of an example. Let me give you one more example. Proverbs 13, 20. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. How many of you want to like tattoo that on your children's as they faces as they go out, right? I mean, let's be honest, right? If you hang out with the wise, you're going to, you know, things are going to be good. Like you're going to have wisdom. If you hang out with those, well, you know, those fools, you're going to get into trouble because they're going to get you into trouble. And this is, this is kind of what Proverbs does. It compares and contrasts two pathways for life. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to give you the wrong way and the right way, because that's what Proverbs does. And so we're going to dig into this. So let's jump into the first one. As I said, today, we're going to focus on wisdom, which I think is really this message today is the foundation or the setting up of the rest of the series. Because everything in here, we're going to talk about Proverbs, another story, but everything in here is really what Proverbs is founded on, actually. This is the foundation of Proverbs. And so it's it really, it's good that we're starting with wisdom. So let me give you our first proverb. Proverbs 24.3 says this. It says, a house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Now, if you look at that verse, the question that I have right away is, what does it mean by house, Right? Are we talking contractor stuff here? You know, are we talking manager? Are we talking building supplies? Are we talking wood and foundation and stone? Like, what are we talking about? Are we talking about a physical house or what, uh, what is it talking about? Well, if you would look at the original language of this verse, it does literally mean a physical house. But the word that they use also goes deeper than that. It doesn't mean just a house. Like if I were to say house, we know that that means a physical location, right? But in this verse, the word that they use definitely can mean a physical like location and building. But it is much deeper than that, the meaning of this word that they use here that we translate into our word house. What it means is that a home, a family, a life is built by wisdom. Okay, so when it says a house is built by wisdom, we are not talking construction status here, okay? We are talking about a home, we're talking about family, we're talking about life that is built by wisdom. So if we were to read it, a house, a family life, that changes things. But here's another question that I have, because we're not talking about, you know, construction, although construction guys, I know we have a few of you guys in here, you can take this and run with this. That's great. All right. A house is built by wisdom. All right. You measure twice, cut once thing. I think that that's something that's not, I don't know that I learned that, but it's very good advice. All right. But the next question I have is this. What does it mean by wisdom? Right. Have you ever defined wisdom in your life? Have you ever thought about it? Like we hear the word wisdom all the time. That person's wise or, or you should get wisdom or you should try to seek wisdom. All kinds of stuff. We know the word wisdom. We kind of know what it is. But have you ever really defined what wisdom is for you? What wisdom is in your life? Well, I think important, it's important to ask that question because this is saying everything that is built in your life needs to be built on wisdom. So I think it's important to know what wisdom is. Well, in order to answer that question, I think we need to go to the person who had the greatest wisdom. You know who that is, right? That's Jesus. And so I want to go to a story that Jesus told where he kind of defined wisdom a little bit for us. Maybe he didn't even quite define it, but he just kind of explained it a little bit. 
And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to read this story. And, and this illustration, I, I think, I don't know that this is true, but I think that it's possible that Jesus had one of these Proverbs, maybe even the proverb that I just read, in mind when he told this story, when he gave this illustration. It's quite possible that he had several verses of Proverbs in mind when he told the story. Remember, Jesus knew the Bible frontwards to back. I mean, he knew he could quote it. He knew what it was. And so when he told the story, I think he maybe had some of these in mind. But let me just read the story. And then we're going to unpack it here this morning for a little bit. Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 24. Again, these are Jesus's words. Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So you can see where I think the Proverbs passage and this kind of lines up. Same kind of language, right? One's Old Testament, one's New Testament, but I can see where Jesus is kind of using this as his basis. So this illustration I want to tell you, I didn't tell you this before, but this illustration that Jesus gave is actually at the end of a sermon that he's preaching. A lot of people don't know that Jesus preached sermons. He did. He taught a lot of sermons, and he's in front of a huge crowd of people, and he's spent significant amount of time teaching on all kinds of topics. He's taught about what you should do when you're worried about stuff. He's taught about marriage. He's taught about relationships. He's taught about money. He's taught about all kinds of just tons and tons of topics. He's basically, and if I were to give you a gist of his sermon, he has covered almost any topic you could imagine. And he's basically told all this huge crowd of people, much larger than is here today. He told this huge crowd of people, this is how you're supposed to live. You want to know how to live? This is how you live with money. This is how you live in relationship. This is how you live in marriage. This is how you live with worry. This is how you live in X, Y, Z. And he's been unpacking this for like three chapters. And then he gets to the very end of the sermon. You know how he ends the sermon? With this illustration. This is how he ends it. He gives all this wisdom, and then he says to them, anyone who hears and listens to my advice and obeys it is wise. But if you have been listening to this advice, Jesus says, and you ignore it, you don't do it, you're foolish, and you're building your life on sand. It's a powerful, Jesus is, I mean, trust me, if he's here, I'm sitting down because <laughs> he can preach. He's, he knows what he's doing because he's just unpacked all this wisdom and he says, you need to follow this. You need to not only hear it, but you need to follow it. Now, this story we could spend several weeks on unpacking several things, but I just want to make a couple of points about them this morning real quick. The first one is this. Building wisdom is difficult in the short term but pays off great in the long term. Building wisdom in the short term is difficult, but in the long term, it pays off greatly. 
This is one of those things that we all know, but it's kind of hard to, to wrap our brains around. Let me kind of give you an illustration of this. So you guys know I was gone on vacation uh, this last week. And, uh, and some of you know, some of you don't know, but we decided to go to the beach this year. We usually go, we like to go to the mountains. There is some influence on my part on that uh, realm uh, because I'm a mountains guy, not a beach guy. You guys know that. But we spent the whole week in North Carolina. I did get to spend a couple of days in the Appalachian Mountains, hiking some waterfalls, get some caverns, go into the cave system, all kinds of stuff. It was, it was pretty good. But then the rest of the time we spent on the beach, okay? And for me, I, this is, I've never shared this. I've never unpacked this, but one of the reasons I really don't like the beach, now vacation was awesome, got to spend time with family, it was phenomenal, I, it really was, uh, even though it was the beach, in spite of the fact that it was the beach, um, but, but one thing that, one reason I don't like the beach is I'm not the kind of guy that just likes to sit or lay around, and let me just tell you this, I don't like to do that anyway, but then you want me to do that as a pasty white Wisconsin boy in the sun when really what all, the only thing that happens is I have one of two options. I either lather up with SPF 1000, right? <laughs> Clearly. And so I look more pasty white in the sun while I'm laying there sweating and going, this is fun, right? That's dumb, but whatever. Uh, or, or I don't, or I lather up with like SPF, you know, 30 to try to actually look not like pasty white. And uh, what happens is I just burn and then I peel it off and then I'm pasty white again right? So this, this is like hanging out, laying on the beach and burning is not my idea of fun. So, so one thing that uh, in all seriousness though, that, that I like to do is uh, when I'm on vacation, I like to do something that has some kind of purpose, some creative thing, but it doesn't have to, it doesn't matter too much, right? Well, one thing that we did is we decided just like anybody, we're going to build stuff in the sand. And so um, uh, when, we, when we started talking about this, my brother suggested, he said, well, everybody does sandcastles. Right? Everybody knows that. You make a sandcastle. The kids always want a sandcastle. Um, and so you always make sandcastles. But he said, why don't we do something different, something harder? And I'm like, I'm in. That would be awesome. As long as I don't have to lay out on the towel and burn. That would be, that'd be great. And he said, why don't we make some animals? And I'm like, well, okay. I have no idea how to do that, but let's give it a shot, right? I've seen some pretty cool sculptures. So we decide that we're going to sculpt out of sand some, like, some animals, right? We didn't know what we were doing, but we did our best. We kind of planned it out, spent some time on it, did all that kind of stuff. So uh, for the course of three days, we made three different things. Now, the second day, we had to make a sandcastle because my four-year-old Tanner and his four-year-old Camden they, they said, Dad, we want a castle. So we're like, okay, we'll make a castle. Everybody's making castle, but we'll, we'll make the best castle. All right, well, so we made a huge castle. So these are, I have some pictures of actually what we did. Okay, this is, this is what we did. Yeah, I, I'm excited about it. It was, it was pretty cool. It was a lot of fun. Okay, but um, the first day we made the octopus. The second day we made the castle. Again, because our four-year-olds are like, Dad, we want to make a castle. Okay, we'll make a castle. And uh, then the third day was kind of our crowning achievement. We're like, hey, we know what we're doing now. And so we made the alligator. All right, so here's the point, though, that I bring this up, okay? And we're going to leave that up there so you can see this, but here's, here's my point with this. This is what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about rock and sand, okay? We spent hours this week on making these three things, several hours per day, okay? But the truth is, and we had a lot of fun doing, in fact, we had people coming by and be like, hey, can I take a picture? Sure, yeah, let me get out, though. I don't want to be in your picture, right? And, and they take pictures. It was so great. It was fun. It was creative. It was, it was exciting. It, it was time spent. We spent a lot of time on it. But the truth is that we were one wave, one rainstorm, one 
little kid away, right? I mean, we watch those kids like, oh, we saw a toddler come. We're like, Mm-mm, no, you don't. No, you don't. I will be. Uh, there was a couple of times that, well, I just, it's all good. We're all good. We didn't, we didn't do anything bad, right? But I mean, we're one kid, one wave, one rainstorm, one little strong wind away from these being destroyed because they're what? They're built with sand. In fact, it started raining, and that's why, I mean, one of them was just kind of kind of a lump by the end of the, the week there because it rained. It didn't rain a lot, but it just rained a little bit, and it just kind of started filtering the sand down. They're fragile. It's not a good foundation. If you wanted to make something last, this is not the way to build it. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying it might look good to other people. They might even take pictures of your life. Right? They, they might marvel at how successful you are. But if you're built on sand, it's just a house of cards. And it's eventually going to collapse. I'm pretty, I'm pretty much guaranteed these are gone now. This is a week ago. I'm pretty much sure, I'm sure that the waves or some toddlers or whatever, they've taken these out. They're gone. If we really wanted to last, we would have carved them out of rock. That would have taken a while. I also have no clue what I'm doing there. But this is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, if you want something to last, you need to carve the foundation out of bedrock. And what is the bedrock? Well, the bedrock is Jesus. The bedrock is God's word. And that needs to be our foundation. In fact, let me just read you the next proverb. Proverbs 9, 10 through 12 says this. It says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One, we could also say holiness, results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, if you reject God, if you reject the foundation, you will be the one to suffer. Again, Proverbs kind of pits these two ways of life. If you want to live wise, this is the benefit. If you live against wisdom, this is what you have to, to look forward to. So the second point is this. The first one is, got to build on that foundation of rock, which is God. But the second point is this. And it's something that we all know, but it's just hard to put into practice. And I'll make it simple. Build your foundation now. Build your foundation now, not later. One thing that we know well, let me, let me just go to this. Do you remember the last couple of phrases that Jesus said in that story? On the house, on the sand, and the house, on the rock. Let me just read it for you real quick. This is what he says. Jesus says, But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Okay. In other words, this is, needs to be our foundation, but what it also gives the, I mean, it really is obvious, is you can't wait to build the foundation until the storm hits, right? Let, let me just illustrate this. We all know this is true. It's hard to think about this in spiritual terms, but in physical terms, it's obvious to us. So why do we think of it differently in spiritual terms than in physical terms? For example, 
Um, let's, let's say that there's, there's a big rainstorm coming and the floodwaters start to rise and you're kind of in, you know, maybe in the threat of a floodplain area and you see the water coming down the valley and you start seeing it lap up against your house. And then you say to your wife or, 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 your, or your spouse, hey, uh, I'm going to go take a trip down to our insurance agent and I'm going to go get some flood insurance real quick. Okay? How do we think that's going to go? Number one, the flood insurance agent isn't going to be there because he's helping take care of his own house, right? But, but not only that, but they're, they're not going to sell you flood insurance while the flood is actually taking out your house. It's too late, right? It's too late. Same reason when you see a hurricane. Remember, you know, they have this, they project the path and everything. And so we know between 24 to 36 hours before that is, while the reporters are all there reporting on, this is what's going to happen. This is what you need to do. What do you see in the background almost every time? There's people around their houses. There are people on their businesses. What do they do? They have these big, huge pieces of plywood, right? Then they got nails or screws or whatever, and they're just pounding that stuff away. They're covering up all their windows. Why? Because they know that when the hurricane makes landfall is not when, you know what? I think I'm going to go out and put up those boards now. Not wise. Build your foundation on Christ now. Don't wait. Because let me just tell you the truth. The storms will come in your life. Bad things happen. And when they do, your foundation needs to be set so that you can stand strong with Jesus by your side. Because the truth is, <laughs> contrary to what a lot of followers of Christ believe, a lot of Christians believe, contrary to their belief, Jesus is not storm repellent, right? It's not like offspray for mosquitoes, right? Oh, man, bad things are happening. I need to spray on a little more Jesus, Right? I mean, I'm, but I'm, now I'm kind of making fun, right? I, I know I'm getting, I'm kind of being silly about it, but that's the truth. There are a lot of people that believe once you have Jesus as the foundation of your life, that means you have protection from storms. The Bible never teaches that, just so you were clear. Never says that. In fact, it, it gets really clear, it says the opposite of that. You will have storms. Jesus is not storm repellent, but what Jesus is, what God's word is, is a lifeboat. So when the storms of life hit, when you get that call that rocks your world and messes you up and tears you down, when that storm hits, you already have your foundation set, your lifeboat's there, you're ready to go. It doesn't mean you don't go through the storm. It means that you go through the storm with salvation and the Savior at your side so that you can get through the storm. On the other side, you're going to be stronger. And you're still going to have a foundation. You know what I see quite often? I see the storms hit people. And because the foundation's not there, they have to start all over again once the storm's done. They have to start. They have no foundation because it was built on sand. And all the people that they thought they could trust they turn against them. In fact, that's one of the biggest storms that I see is people, they put their trust and their hope in people rather than in God. And the people sometimes turn on them and that's the storm they go through and that sand is just wiped away underneath it. People will fail us. God never will. And that's the foundation that we need to stand on. In fact, uh, it's one of those things where this lifeboat Jesus knows how to get through the storm. 
right? You think of a blizzard, you think of a hurricane, you think of those things. It's hard to see, you can't tell where to go. Jesus is the one that guides you safely through it. But you need to have that foundation ahead of time. So here's what I want to do. I want to go back to the story. I want to read it one more time. I want you to just listen to these words. In fact, let's do this. Didn't have planned on doing this, but let's do this. Close your eyes. Just listen to this story. Okay? You've already heard it twice now. Well, part, portions of it. But let me just read it for you and listen. Let them sink into you. Anyone who listens to my teaching, Jesus says, and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. You can open your eyes. You catch it? Jesus is telling this. In fact, let me, let me just say this. I didn't mention this before. Let me make one more point. Did you notice in this story that both people, the one who built his house on the rock and the one who built his house on the sand, did you notice that both people heard the words of Jesus? Did you notice that? That's important. It wasn't that one didn't know and the other one didn't. Like one was ignorant and the other one just knew like he had a life that he got to know and the other one didn't know. They both hear, heard what Jesus said. They both heard Jesus' words. They both were sitting in church. They both had heard about the Bible. They both were given an opportunity to pick one up at the info table. They both had an opportunity. They were warned by Jesus. They were given what they needed to do. They knew what they were supposed to do. The difference between these two people is what? What's the only difference? because they all heard the same thing. Both of them heard the same thing. Same teaching, same wisdom. What's the difference? One followed, one chose not to. Now, Jesus doesn't connect these dots, but I'm going to connect them real quick. The person who built his house on the sand, I want us to understand that person is destroyed. You realize that, right? It's not like, oh, his house fell down, he has to rebuild it. No, that person's destroyed. I, I want you to think about this logically. Where is that person who built their house on the rock and the person who built their house on the sand? Where are they when the storm hits? They're in their house, aren't they? Who, when the storm hits, goes outside and be like, hey, woohoo? No. Where do they go? They go to their foundation. They go to what they trust. They go to where they've built that they think is going to be safe. The problem is when they go to the thing, that the very thing that they think is the foundation that's going to keep them safe, it collapses on them and they're destroyed. It is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of eternal life and death. This foundation. You either found your life on Jesus or you don't. There's not kind of a sort of. Well, let's do kind of half and half, some sand and some rock. Not good. <laughs> not good. It needs to be on the foundation fully. God, here's the truth. God wants us to weather the storm. He wants you to weather the storm. He knows storms are coming. 
And what he wants is he wants you to build the foundation now. What does that look like? It means you've got to get into the word. You've got to get into communicate, regular communication with Jesus. You've got to talk with him and you've got to listen to him. You know what we call that? We call it prayer. That, that's what we call it. Okay? And, and I, I would just encourage you, get past the Lord's Prayer. I'm not saying the Lord's Prayer is bad. The Lord's Prayer is fantastic. But do you know what you're saying when you say the Lord's Prayer? Or do you just rattle off, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy... I did it. Okay. That's what I hear a lot of times from people. When you pray, pour your heart out to God. Let Him know where you're at. And then listen, because He has good stuff for you. Build that foundation now. And let me just give you one more reason why this is important. Most of this message, this is kind of like an appendix to the message. This would be like another week. <laughs> but since we can't stay until supper, you probably don't want to do that. We'll just do this and, and, and wrap it up. Another reason why we need to build the foundation, first and foremost, is because of our own soul and our own family and our own life. But there's a second reason. If we have a strong foundation that gives us foundation and stability and strength from which to reach out and help pull others from the storm, yes? It's going to be kind of hard for me to pull other people from the storm if I'm sinking in the sand myself. Let me give you a case in point. We already mentioned it today. You guys heard what happened in Sun Prairie, right? Hey. In fact, we have a picture of what happened, this explosion of fire that happened. Just devastated that whole area. It was massive. I wasn't there for it, obviously, but I mean, just reading about it, seeing the pictures, knowing what happened. And I don't know if you guys know, some of you know, some of you don't know, but there was a firefighter that lost his life in that. He gave his life. He's a true hero. And uh, he left a wife and two young daughters at home. So here's, here's why I bring this up, guys. We need to build the foundation on Jesus now because people go through storms around us every single day. And we are called, it is our opportunity and our responsibility, yes, responsibility, that Jesus has given to us to reach out from our places of foundation, from our places of strength, and say, hey, what can we do? How can we help? I, can, I have a safe place. I have this foundation. Would you join me? In fact, I saw people from Northridge doing this. Let me give you a couple of examples. This is, this is awesome. This is something that I had nothing to do with, and I'm so glad about that. Because Northridge doesn't have to lead everything. And that's just how it should be. Because God should impress this upon people. We had Carrie, who is uh, part of Northridge. And some of you probably saw this on Facebook, but as soon as she heard about the firefighter, she took her kids. She actually has her own kids, but she also runs a daycare. So she had a bunch of other kids. And they went out to the Wanakee Fire Department and they set up a lemonade stand and they got it out on Facebook. And tons of you shared it on Facebook because I saw it, right? And you shared it all over and they made over $1,000 in just like one afternoon, a couple hours, whatever. I don't know how long they were out there for this firefighter and his family. We didn't, we didn't organize that. She just did it. It's phenomenal. Good for her. She just took action. Uh, you know, if you got Northridge News, that as a church, we're collecting cleaning supplies. Okay, we, have a, we have a place over there at the info table. If you didn't bring cleaning supplies, you can go shop. You can buy some. You can bring them back. All right? Or it's in your bulletin. Michelle's 
address is in there. Take them there. She's, gonna not, she's not going to take the stuff until tomorrow. They need it, and so we need to get it there, but she's not going to take it until tomorrow so we have time to get the cleaning supplies there. If you want to get involved, please do that. In fact, we know that we can't do anything until the investigation is done, but eventually they're going to need volunteers to help. So when we put out that call, if we put out that call, because I don't know if they're going to need volunteers, if they're going to ask for volunteers, we're, we're keeping on top of it. But if they do, we should be one of the first ones to answer. So I want you to be ready. The reason we build the foundation on Jesus and his love and his joy and his peace is so that we can be love and joy and peace to people who are going through horrible stuff around us. Amen? This is for our souls, but it's also for the souls of the people around us. So let me ask you this. What is your foundation? What have you built your life and your trust on? In fact, let me go a little deeper than that. When you pass from this earth, newsflash, we all do, when you pass from this earth, let me ask you this. What is your hope and trust in? Let me just be clear. Most people that I know, they're guessing. This is what they say. Well, I kind of hope that this will be the case. I kind of hope I've been a good person. I just, I wanna, can I just dispel a lie that is killing a lot of people? If you're a good person, it doesn't count. For eternity. Okay, do you hear me? It doesn't count. You should be a good person. I'm not, I'm not saying like, no, you should be horrible. As long as you have Jesus and be horrible. No, don't hear the in between the lines. Okay, what I'm saying is, yes, you should be a good person, but it has to go deeper than that. Jesus is the key. He's the foundation. What is your foundation? What have you been building on? When everything in life falls apart, where do you turn? What do you do? What's your trust? My encouragement to you is that God loves you. He loves you more than you love yourself. And by the way, whether you think so or not, you love yourself a lot. <laughs> Jesus loves you more than you love yourself, more than anybody else on this planet can. And he wants to see you thrive whether you're going through good times or whether you're going through a storm. He wants to see you thrive. He does. And he offers the lifeboat. He offers the bedrock so that when the storms come, you won't have to rebuild the foundation. You're already set and you'll come through on the other side stronger and being able to help those around you. So my question is, what is your foundation? What are you leaning on? What are you looking to for hope in this life? If it's anything less than Jesus, then it's sand. It's sand. And it will be washed away. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for giving us great illustrations and stories in your word. 
Lord Jesus, I thank you for calling us to a high standard in life. Because you know, Jesus, <laughs> that Without the proper foundation, the storms of life that will happen, they're going to happen, they have happened, they will destroy us. You know this. And you, know our, you already know what's around the corner. You're just calling for us, asking for us to build the foundation strong so that when the, the rains come and the winds beat down and the storms of life, that call comes that re wrecks our world, that we're on the foundation of bedrock. We're standing firm on your word, firm on your salvation. And that we're going to save, and we're going to bring as many people to that foundation as we possibly can bring. If there's anybody here who they have not built their foundation on it, maybe they have never even believed in you, maybe they've never put their trust in you, I pray that they would give their life to you today, Jesus. They'd start the foundation today because when the hurricane hits, when the floodwaters come is not the time to do that. You'll rescue them, but they'll have to rebuild the foundation. So God, I pray that they would just, they would get right with you. May they give their life to you, Jesus. And for the rest of us, maybe we have a strong foundation. Maybe we've let it slip. Maybe we've let sand get in, too, too much sand into our life. Whatever that is. I pray that you would help us to commit to get rid of it and to put in the strong bedrock that comes from you, that comes from your word, that comes from your love. Help us to live for you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.